0: The atmosphere is changing now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around That the Spirit of the Lord is here I read this statement somewhere this morning. I've got several friends that send me things almost every day. And somewhere I read this this morning, a statement by Graham Cook. He was talking about the the fact that Jesus took our judgment. And then he started talking about cities. And he said, if you're pronouncing judgment on your city then you're trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus because Jesus took that judgment on himself. He said, there's salvation available for your city no matter how dark it is. And I couldn't help but think of You know, there's an underside to the city of Kirksville that we don't often see. But i think in that there's salvation available for all of those people that are into methamphetamines and into these various things. There's salvation for them. Yeah. They can be saved, delivered, and healed but we got to believe it and we got to quit canceling the work of the cross with our mouth me first i've got to stop it yeah i look at some of this stuff and think my goodness we're just running close to the judgment but during this time jesus bore that for us so we need to be speaking the blessing and realizing that god is available for those people and and this this resurrection sunday where we celebrate resurrection is is uh, the time to mention it, in my opinion. Amen. I'm going to be reading first out of First Peter 1, verses 3 through 5. It might seem like a strange place to start, but hey, you have to start somewhere. And uh, with everything that is said by the disciples and in the epistles about the resurrection, my goodness, you got this whole whole group of things to choose from, but... I worked with the whole group of things so long that I finally realized I'm not going to be able to do all of this, so I'm going to have to get it down and, and make it where we can have a presentation for Easter Sunday that touches people's hearts. And I think that is one of the big challenges among among uh, leaders is it's not what it's not having something to talk about on Easter Sunday year after year. That's not the issue. It's how do you get it in a 30-40 minute time frame on Easter Sunday? That's the issue. So. First Peter chapter one, verses three through five. "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. Let me work with this for a few minutes before I actually get into the meat of the message. If you notice in most Bibles the word obtain is in italics, meaning that the um, the translators out of their understanding added that word. So it would actually have read to an inheritance, that, that we're born again to a living hope, to an inheritance imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away you notice if you leave out the word obtain it's like when you're born again that you're brought to it into it it's not it's not that you've got to do this 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 and this and you've got to earn it to obtain it but you're just brought into an inheritance which is imperishable and will not fade away it's an amazing thing and it it says through faith now Let's think about faith for a moment. The Bible says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Another word for that word substance in the original is the realization. Now faith is when you begin to realize that this thing that you're joyously expecting has been born in the Spirit, in the heavenlies. When you begin to realize that it's already birthed there something begins to rise up in you and the voice of God begins to go forth and the realization of that thing begins to happen. But to do that, you've got to realize that when we talk of the heavenlies and when the Jewish people thought of the heavenlies, they thought of another dimension here. They didn't think of something way out there somewhere. They thought of the dimensions of God that is everywhere. So right here, right, right in this, in the dimension of the Spirit and in the dimensions of God, is the thing, that things that pertain to hope and godliness, they're here and available for us, not out there somewhere when you're, when you're living in a mansion out there, but it's, it's available to you to begin to live in, and he causes us to be born again into that. That there's something real, something, something tangible that is for the here and now, and that's all wound up in the resurrection. Now, hopefully we can, we can begin to put some light on that. But from the time of Jesus until now, the Jewish scholars' discussion of resurrection changed. You can mark it in the history of their writings that right at the time of Jesus' resurrection, all of a sudden, it changed. Up to that time, they had mentioned it. In the prophets, they mentioned it. Up to that time, they they had seen in the life of one of the prophets, someone that was raised from the dead. They they had seen this stuff and they talked about it, but they kind of left it alone because they saw themselves in some kind of an exile in which somewhere way out here that God would eventually get them out of that. And part of that would be they would be resurrected from, from the grave. They would be brought up into something that they weren't sure what was that God had prepared for them. So they didn't talk much about it because it was just about as cloudy and, and and unobtainable to them as it seems as I talk about it. When you look at it in that light, but something happened. They saw this man hanging on the cross, and they had been had a big part of putting him there. They saw him when he had his side pierced, and blood and water ran out of his. Cavity indicating death they, they saw him taken down without his bones broken and put away because he was dead he was graveyard dead and now he's alive among them And from that time on, the entire discussion of the scholars has changed and this resurrection thing has has become more and more a point of interest to them and they're confronted with an actual happening, not a religious experience, not a spiritual experience, but a man that they knew was dead. No matter how they argued it that he wasn't, they knew he was dead and now he's alive and he's among them. You can touch him. You can hear him. You can see him, and he's walking among them. I guess they're going to have to talk about it. Don't, they're just going to have to talk about it. But this man was alive in ways that they had never seen before. Yes, you could touch him, hear him, and sense him. He was everything. He ate, he drank, he he done those things that, that normal men do, but when he wanted to, he just walked through a wall just appear and disappear at will. But yet he was physical because he ate, he drank. He told, he told, was it Thomas? He said, stick your hand in my side. Do feel the scar. So there, there was a tangible presence there. He was, it was amazing, but now they start wondering, what is this? And he caused so much consternation among them that I believe it was Gamaliel that made the statement, Be careful what you say lest we find ourselves speaking against God. (laughs) Quite a change from crucify him, isn't it? Quite a change from who do you think you are? We're of Abraham's seed. Don't you just love the way the Jewish people talk to him? We've never been in bondage. We're of Abraham's seed. What? What? They were in bondage at the time. They had been in bondage historically over and over again. Typical religious pride. (laughs) We're Pentecostal. We don't have demonic influence. You know what? I might have, but I'll guarantee you if there's demons around me, they're the most uncomfortable demons in the world. (laughs) Because this, this, this one that raised from the dead, he dwells in me. And I just want to throw that in there. If you, if you think you're having some problems with, with the demonic, then, then just just stand up and be who you are. They're going to get very uncomfortable and laugh at them. Yeah. Hey, who do you think you are? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead indwells me. Uh, the truth of the matter is, without the resurrection all Christian theology crumbles and becomes just another religious story and that's the truth there's no hope there's nothing to inspire faith if there was not a resurrection but among the people that hated the idea the most they had to confront the reality of a risen Savior one who was who he said he was one who Yeah, see, they they had seen the widow's son raised and they had seen Lazarus raised. They were raised with physical life and and the life, the Bible says the life is in the blood. So they they were raised with, with that life returning to the blood and they were raised only to eventually die again. But this one was raised with a different kind of life. This one was raised with life eternal. This this one was raised where, yeah, there there was some some physicality to him, but, but there was also this thing where that which is made up of material things and matter immediately had to bow to his wish. If that wall had any argument to him walking through it, then the wall might as well shut its mouth because he was going to walk through it if he wanted to walk through it because he was Lord and Savior. He was the king, but he was alive. Now, this is important to us, and and we'll get to it as we go about it. But this is not talking about, and what I'm talking about in resurrection this morning is not an eventual life where where you will die and be buried and eventually be resurrected. And there's a whole doctrine around that, too, that is real and true. But, But this is about something that is yours now. This is something about when you're born again that, that you are dead with him and that you're raised up into something that, that is very real. And it's this new source of bodily life that's not sustained by food and drink, but it is sustained. By the things of the Spirit, and that you now have a life in you that's better than before. And it became more of a, as the discussion went on, certainly among the Jewish people, they have begun now to look at it as a rescue from the dead more than a raise from the dead. Now, when you look at most of the Bible, I'd say, just off my top of my head, I think it's larger than this, but as a conservative estimation, when the Bible talks about death, or death well, about 75% plus of the time it's talking about separation from God. It's not talking about physical death. Now, we're rescued from that separation from God, born again to these things, and it affects us. Now, if you'll just let that sink in for a moment, it's exciting in all of its connotations because we are rescued from eternal judgment for the way that we've lived because he took our judgment. And they, yeah, we're quick sometimes to to see, see something happening in someone that hasn't yet uh, given their hearts to God, they haven't given their lives to God, and we something hap- see something happen, and our religious pride says, well, if they'd live a little different, then God wouldn't put that on them. Well, God's not putting that on them. Blessed is the man to whom God will not impute sin. If it's coming on them, guess who's putting it on them? They are It's not God because he's not in that business right now. That's not what's happening right now. And that's where I want to mention again that this city does not bear the weight of God's judgment at this moment. This city bears the weight of God's efforts to redeem it. But yet we have layers of people. We have people uh, at the top and middle layers that are standing in all of their social pride. And looking at those whose lives are so devastated and saying the judgment of God is coming on them. No, the redemption of God is reaching to them if we'll allow it. If we will allow it. If we will allow it. He said, whoever sins you retain, I'll retain. But whoever you forgive, I'll forgive. I'll tell you, we bear a load there because that's scripture. That's the way it works. And we need to realize that that he is putting a whole lot of confidence in us, which I'll address more as as I go along here. So what we come to in my thinking is life after physical death is not all that important. Is it real? Yeah, it's real. But that's not important. What's important now is life after my messing up life. Because I really messed it up. God has redeemed it. I, I'm amazed at this, and I know some of the guys will be watching now that we're on live, but I'm amazed at the, at the honor and the respect that those guys gave me. And it wasn't me they were giving it to, but it was Christ in me. And that's what really messed me up, is because I know I messed some of them up. I know it. They would also tell you that if you ask them. But the honor and the respect that they gave me, I didn't deserve. They were giving it to the Christ in me. And folks, if you'll let him shine, if you'll quit trying to be politically and socially correct and just let Jesus shine, people will begin to respect the Christ in you. And they will begin to be drawn. No man comes to the Father unless what? The Spirit draws them. You have the Spirit in you. You should be drawing people to you, not shoving people away. Your conversation should draw people to you, not shove them away. Your, your assertion from out flowing out from your mouth should not be causing problems. They should be bringing people to you. Yeah. You know, this resurrection was the most extraordinary of all of Jesus' extraordinary stories. This resurrection thing... Is so rich and so real. He died carrying the sin of men. You hear me? He died carrying your sin. Because it was the sin of all times, the Bible tells us. But death could not hold him on the basis of carrying your sin. He carried your judgment. He accepted your judgment into himself. That that thing on the cross, what was it, the passion of Christ that they tried to portray all of that, can I tell you that didn't even come close? We were never meant to see that. Because when that began to happen, God covered it in darkness because we weren't meant to see that because He was carrying in His body the sin of all mankind. He took your sin there and paid the price for it. But there's something happened. He was raised out of that. Out of, out of that, He was guilty because He took guilt on Him. He was judged because He took judgment on Him. Paul said He became sin. He didn't just do sin. He literally became sin. But Father wouldn't let that stand. Why? Because he was keeping covenant. And he was establishing covenant in life. Jesus had raised some back, to, back from the dead. But somehow he went through that natural realm of death. And on the other side with the power of the Holy Spirit empowering him. And here's what's just amazing. If you accept it, you get that same power. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. My goodness. If we could just get that. If If we could just accept it, really. That... Spirit that, yes, Jesus took it all on himself. So, and according to the law, he had done all of this stuff and he deserved that physical death according to the law. But Father said, but not spiritual death. I'll raise his physical body up because of the way he lived his life, because of the way he he interacted with me, because he lived through the power of the Spirit. I'll raise him up through the power of the Spirit. You see This in reality was the God of the creation, Yahweh Elohim. It it was this God declaring to the world that not only do I affirm my creation, I reaffirm my creation in Christ. Not only did I believe in it when I created you, but I believe in it now. I send my son, I'll let him die, but I won't let him stay there. I'll raise him from the dead. Think what it cost the father to turn his back on his son. Because Jesus said, said, Father, why have you forsaken me? I'm doing this thing, I'm paying the price, but why have you forsaken me? Because God couldn't look on your sin, my sin, until it was covered by the blood of the sacrifice. And then when he turned back, it's the same spirit that began to cause that body to live. Now, understand what I say when I say he is the deliverer. I want you to really let this get in you. Not that he will be. He is. He is the deliverer. Some people keep putting it off. He will be, he will be, he will be. No. What is he now? Are we trampling underfoot that which he's done for us by expecting it always to be in the future? See, that's where the Jewish nation went wrong back in those days, is they felt like they were somehow under this judgment of God that he would not be involved in their lives until way down the road somewhere, and every generation kept putting it down the road and putting it down the road, and Christians have done the same thing. Isn't it time that we begin to stand in the resurrection power of God and realize that when we're born again, it's that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in us and he's going to be bringing us through that every part of the process is a part of him bringing us through that process now Ezekiel 37 is probably to me the greatest picture of how it works you see when the, when the prophet was asked the question, I'm trying to go back through that scripture in my mind. When the prophet was asked the question, can these bones live? He really wasn't sure. Why? Because God has life. God controls the reality of life. And when you look at some situation in, in our natural thinking, we're not sure if it can live or if it cannot live, if it will live, if it will not live. We're just not sure. But he said, then you speak to the bones. He didn't say you pray for them. He said, I'm saying you need to speak to them and to begin to talk to them about living. And this is what's wonderful to me, that only God knows about eternal life. But when we begin to speak out of our confidence that we have this connection with God, and sometimes we need to speak it. You can't always just think it and have it happen. Why? Because the enemy don't understand your thinking. He's not allowed to invade your thinking. He can throw some thoughts in there and try to get you to embrace them, but he's not allowed to control your thinking. He's not even allowed to know what you're thinking. So sometimes we need to say what God is saying and to say it where even someone as dumb as the devil can understand it. And no, I don't, I'm not going to talk about him nicely, so don't expect me to. Because he is defeated and he's still dumb enough to be trying to take God's people down. And guess what? <laughs> he could read the end of the book too, but he don't. Now... God told Ezekiel, he said, I want you to not only to speak to those bones, but I want you to speak to my breast. I want you to speak to my wind. And I want you to have confidence that because of this thing that I have said, when you know that God has said it and you speak it, things begin to happen. So Ezekiel 37 paints a great picture that in the beginning, when the life of God happens, often it's small. It's like a trembling or a shaking, and maybe not exactly trembling as we think of it, but something just begins to happen on the inside. But then the next thing you know, there's a, there starts to be a coming to together and arising up and we need to understand if we're going to go on and move in what God has for us as we talked about last Sunday the relationships that it takes to to actually form the foundation of the house of God that we need to as we begin to form those relationships we need to realize that there is a coming together of heart that will happen before we see the fullness of the move of God that people will stop talking and backbiting and and people will stop panicking and saying all kinds of bad things and trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus but they'll begin to declare that which God has said and begin to cause it to happen and to rise up and in that rising up it will form a mighty army that will go around the world and that's what that's to me that's one of the greatest pictures of the day that we live in because the truth is we share that resurrection because, my goodness, I've tried and tried to figure out, and I've asked God how, and I, I still, it's my brain's problem, not his. But how do you depict this thing where Jesus went through? All the way through. But there's something so transforming that happened to him as he was going through that when he stepped out of that tomb, that there was something that was so frightening about him that those Roman soldiers fainted away like, like dead guys. They, they, they just, those guys that had faced every kind of battle you could think of facing with some of the most uh, difficult uh, instruments of war to face, those guys fell like dead men. I think it probably made their knees start to shake when some angels walked up and just tossed the stone away because that's their original thing. It wasn't that they rolled the stone away. They tossed it away and then sat on it. If you'll notice a little bit later, it says that when they came, the angels were sitting. They they didn't want to stand all that time, so they just kind of popped the old stone out and it's estimated it weighed between two and five tons and they just popped it out and sat on it. I imagine they were a little bit afraid then and then this man Jesus came walking out and there was something about him that they just fainted dead away. I'm telling you, the darkness that tries to plague you, the darkness that you sometimes get so afraid of, the darkness that you're so puzzled by, it'll faint dead away when it sees the life and the light of God begin to shine in you. And if it continues to try to hassle you, you can just laugh at it and move on. Why? Because the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead dwells in you. And someday, hopefully in this day, there will be a church generation that will start to live like this. Now, the life and the blood flow together in this resurrection life and the spirit begins to purify this fleshly body and... I was listening to a cooking show. I wasn't watching, I was listening to it recently. And one of the guys said, the temptation is to lift the foil away from the pan. Don't do that. You got to trust in the process. And I thought, yeah yeah, that's the church. Sometimes the temptation is to go and to peel it all back and try to fix it. Don't do that. trust in the process. Sometimes people want me to go peel the foil away and try to fix it. And I ask God, and God says, "Don't do that. trust in the process. We've got to understand that we're going through a process. We don't have a microwave Christianity. That God is in the business of raising you up out of that grave and into a kind of life that will cause demons to tremble and will cause people to want to know Jesus. He wants you to live that kind of life. And I really believe that in this house we're moving towards something that's even, for me, Let's, I have started to say more important, but let's say it's as important. There's basically three kinds of Christians. There are those that believe that the power is not ours to have anymore. There are those that believe in the power, but don't have any of it. And then there are those that have the power. And I believe we're headed toward having the power here. That we got some foundations that are being built, and and we got some things starting to happen, and that's why I make no apologies to visitors about us worshiping deeply and expressing the power and taking authority over sickness and disease and telling demons to go. I I make no apologies for that. That's who we are. This is us. Why? Because we want to be those people. Not that we're better than anybody else, but I'll tell you, if you're sitting there thinking you believe in the power but have none of it, then you are the excuse the people use when they say that there is no power. But I want to be the one that takes the excuse away. I want to be the one that there's so much power operating in and around and through me that they begin to wonder what in the world happened. I want demons to tremble. You say, well, they'll attack too. Yeah, let them attack. They'll get defeated. Not by me, but by my Master. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. You come to me and tell me that that I have demons and all of that, and you know what? I'm just going to laugh. They might be hanging around. I doubt it. They might be. But I really doubt it. Why? Because the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, and demons believe. Now, this is the Bible. Demons believe and tremble. And how many know you don't want to be around it when something's happening that's just causing you to be so scared you're trembling? Don't want to hang around that very much. But we can be demonstrating this power every day of our lives. We can get up out of bed aware of it. We can go to bed at night aware of it. We can sleep in it. We can live in it. And that doesn't mean you you live like boy. I'm about, I'm about to revert to Oklahoma English here. That doesn't mean you live like an idiot. <laughs> That means you live out of the spirit of God. And sometimes it's just hard to tell. There's just something about you. People don't know exactly what it is, but there's something about you. They don't know what it is and you're not saying much, but there's times when you say very little, but it's much. And there's sometimes, sometimes when you say very much and it's little, but there's all this thing of living out of it like he would live. And sometimes it's just like you you find Jesus doing, just relaxing at somebody's table and having conversation. Sometimes it's, um, sometimes it's, just realizing that there's something in you that's compelling an unsaved one to come and sit down beside you and start talking. And it's coming out of you. Sometimes you realize that 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 thing in you is compelling you to go and see someone and you don't know what you're going to do but you're just going to present yourself in the situation and see what happens. And you begin to realize that this is all about life and living, and it, but it's about living on another level because we're not building the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is eternal. It's always been in existence. He's inviting us to His kingdom. He's saying, life like this works. I have proven it through eternity that life like this produces my life, produces God's life. Live like this. And it'll bring you from the dead into that life eternal and into an awareness of the Spirit like you never had before. But don't run around making, sounding like a parrot, parroting someone else's little phrases. Don't do that. And, and, you know, everything, every time somebody says that they've got a difficulty, don't, don't get right down in their face and say, well, praise the Lord. No, listen to them. But as you're listening to them, listen to him. And see if he's got anything to say about it. If he don't, just move on. And don't try to do it on your own because that don't turn out well. How do I know? Believe me, I know. <laughs> just listen to him. Say what he says we have no right to speak and say this is the Word of God unless God is currently speaking. And to do that, we've got to remember that I need to learn to hear Him. And I need to live with Him and live out from Him so much that I can honestly say He's my friend. And then, when I can honestly say He's my friend, then there are some things He'll do just because we're friends. That he won't instigate, but you'll ask him, God, would would you do this? And he'll say, well, yeah, I'll do it. And other times he'll say, no, you don't understand the process therein, and it's not time for that yet. But I want you to know something. God is always who he is. He is the deliverer. He's the healer. He's our light. He's our salvation. He's our God. And he's always that. Now, I've done this study, and I, I didn't know anybody else had until I listened to it this recently, and somebody else had too. But going through all of the Old Testament, where God would directly tell some of his people to do difficult things, every time he would say, I will be with you, I will go up before you, I will, I will, I will, I will. And then when we come into the life of Jesus, he tells his disciples, he said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Bring them to me. I am with you. So he's not asking you to do anything alone. But there's something about this resurrected Jesus that enables him to be with me. But also to be with you. How does he do that? I don't know maybe I'll figure that out someday but I know he's God and that probably is the answer he does it because he's God and out of being God but I know I've never called on him and he wasn't there I hear people saying well I've been praying but the heavens are brass no you've probably been making religious recitations into the air Because the heavens are not brass. The heavens opened way back years ago and they now find no record of them being closed. Wow. That's a new block to put in your spiritual warfare thing, huh? If the heavens are brass, maybe you should quit ritual, religious praying and just communicate with God. It might make a difference. I've quit preaching and started digging a hole now, so I'm just going to cover it up. want <laughs> to bow your head for a couple of minutes here. I've done my best this morning to paint a picture of a resurrected Christ that you might want in your life, because even with the power that he has, he won't force himself on you, but he does make himself available. If you're here this morning and you haven't given your life over to him, could I encourage you to just do that? Because I can promise you, if you have family praying for you, that you're not going to do real well until you do. Because the Holy Spirit will keep the pressure on. Why? Because your family's friends with him. And he says that me and my household will be saved. These guys that I gave testimony of serving God earlier, I can tell you they went through fire on their way to Him. Why? Because many were praying for them not not just me but many were praying for them now they serve him. you can cut up you can cut through the nonsense just simply by saying. Lord, I want to be born again. I want to be connected to your Spirit in a way that is real to me. And I want you to start to change my life. Some people would tell you that you have to itemize your sin. That's not true. You just have to acknowledge that you were one who was in sin. But now he's bringing you out. Why am I so confident in saying that's not true? Because that's all I would ever get done if I had to itemize my sin. I'd still be somewhere locked away in a bedroom doing that. But all I had to do is recognize that I was lost and He was my Savior. And I can tell you, keep your head bowed, please. There's some that God is really dealing with. I can tell you that the day after I knew that Jesus had saved me, that I didn't look any different and I really didn't act a whole lot different because I didn't know how to do the religious thing. So don't worry about what happens next. Just worry about asking him to reconnect you, asking him to connect his spirit with your spirit and that he will begin to raise you up out of that grave that you live in. And that that darkness will begin to go away, and that you're not going to walk in a set of rules, but He's going to lead you in ways of righteousness, for His name's sake, and you're going to find Him leading you to be a better you than you ever anticipated you could ever be. God doesn't want you to be like your mother, He doesn't want you to be like your father, he doesn't want you to be like your pastor. He wants you to be like you, filled with the Spirit of God. Father, I ask you that you will save, deliver, and heal. Lord, just begin to touch lives all over this building and draw them to you. Lord, I don't, that's what you do. God, help people to be willing to just give it over to you and to trust you. And Father, I want to give witness that you can be trusted. Lord, help us to realize that we don't need to pull back the foil and see what you're doing. Just trust the process and know that it'll come out like it's supposed to come out. Now, God, on this Sunday that we celebrate your resurrection, I'll ask, I ask you that you realize what it, that You cause us to realize what it could mean if we were rescued from death and began to live 100% in life and light. Cause the hunger for that to rise in hearts that don't have it and cause us that have it to grasp it more firmly and to be pulled more efficiently into what you would have for us. Lord, I thank you that I'm not living under judgment, but I'm living under your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do for us. Amen.